Hey folks, I want to uh, say a thank you to everybody for listening. I recently noticed that uh, we had crossed the quarter million download mark, which is kind of astounding to me. And uh, my numbers tell me that the average episode is now getting over uh, 2,000 listens, which is pretty darn exciting to me. So I want to say a big thank you. Uh, I also would love it uh, if you would consider supporting the Patreon. Uh, I've made some changes to it this year. So every episode comes with some bonus content. Uh, usually that comes in the form of uh, something really specific about how you apply the practices and ideas that me and the guests have talked about. Uh, and that is available for anybody who supports the podcast at the $5 level. Uh, and also for everybody at every level, I've started introducing uh, an early release date. So everybody gets the episode at least 24 hours ahead of time. And if I can swing it, perhaps even earlier than that. So, you know, think about supporting the Patreon. It helps me uh, continue to commit energy and time to this project, which I love and which I think benefits a lot of people. It helps make this a thing that I can make generally free to the public uh, and not have to consider whether I need to charge for it in order to, uh, you know, continue to make space for it in my schedule. And it also supports the process of creating transcriptions as part of a commitment to accessibility for every episode and all the bonus material as well. So head on over patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp. Sign up. Every dollar counts. Welcome to another episode of the Hermits That Podcast. I am here today with Shaheen Miro and Teresa Reed, aka the Tarot Lady. And, you know, uh, I've known Teresa for years. She's been on the podcast before. You should certainly go back and find those episodes. I will link to them in the show notes. Uh, you know, Teresa is a fantastic astrologer, a tremendous business person, and a, a wonderful card reader. And uh, I've known Shaheen a little less time. We had the pleasure to meet at Reader Studio, a big conference in New York uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, they, they really are a delightful, uh, kind, mystic, and insightful human being. And, you know, this episode came about because the two of them put out a book uh, called Tarot for Troubled Times. And, you know, those of you who listen know that I don't really do book or deck reviews or these kinds of things. Um, but also, life's been hard for a lot of people over the last while, you know, uh, financially, economically, uh, socially, there's a lot of difficult stuff going on in the world. And, you know, it really occurred to me that chatting with these two fine people would be uh, a wonderful way to maybe uh, talk about how do we deal with that stuff? Because, you know, life is not always easy. So, you know, for people who don't know who you are, Shaheen, maybe you want to just give us a quick introduction. Yeah, so I'm Shaheen Muro, and I am an intuitive reader, and I'm the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times, and I'm also the creator of the Lunar Nomad Oracle, and yeah, I just do lots of magical stuff all over the internet and the world, so that's me. Awesome. Teresa? My name is Teresa Reed, and like Andrew said, I'm known as the Tarot Lady, and I've been a full-time tarot reader for about 30 years, which seems like a lifetime. And I am the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and Astrology for Real Life and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times with the beautiful Shaheen Miro. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, you know, I guess, I guess this question for me is, you know, really, what do you, what do, you do when life is difficult, right? You know, I mean... Like I see, you know, I go on social media and sometimes, some days it's depressing. Some days it's absolutely uplifting and wonderful. You know, you read the news and, you know, we've got uh, climate change. We've got all sorts of political unrest. You know, at the time of the recording of this, we have the, you know, the coronavirus that's that's kicking around, making everybody afraid. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, that can really uh, drag us down and, you know, is, is genuinely concerning or is, is worthy of some level of concern. But also, 
you know, we still got to get up. I still got to get up and get my kids to school. I still got to show up and work on my accounting for my business. I've still got to, you know, hang out with, with the person I'm dating and, and be present, you know? So where, where do you start, you know, if stuff's dragging you down, trying to, trying to move beyond that? I think you start right where you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's like yeah. the biggest thing. I was talking with some clients yesterday and I think there is this idea that life is supposed to be easy if you're doing things correctly. Mm. And I just feel like that is such a toxic mindset. And I feel like it keeps us from moving into this present moment. I know that that sounds really like, I don't know, cliche to be present and be here now. But I think it's so true with everything that's happening in the world. Because otherwise you just become overwhelmed by literally everything because there's something happening on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree with the being present thing because it's so often when life gets hard, what do we want to do? We want to numb out. We don't mm-hmm. want to be there. We want to maybe, you know, zone out in front of the TV or, or turn to drugs or alcohol or retail therapy, you know, that that's so common or, we become obsessed with the past or obsessed with the future. And the present moment is really ultimately as woo as it sounds, the only thing that matters when life is tough, you have got to be where you are. And then you also have to make yourself care the priority. Yeah. And you know, something that I have been reminding myself of lately, and I started thinking about this because of this book I read. Um, it's called something like get shit done by a woman named Sarah Knight. And she talks about your to-do list and your must-do list. And one of the things that she talks about in there is how we all have things that have to get done on a daily basis. And so I kind of think about that with this idea of being present. It's like, if you're present, then you might have one or two things that you have to face, accomplish, digest, right now but if you start getting stuck in the past or thinking about the future too much then you become really attached to so many things that it's like your energy just gets zapped and i think that's such a it's just such a common thing like we are taught to be in all those different places all at one time in our society and i think that's why we're all going crazy (laughs) i shouldn't say that word but yeah i think that i think that being really clear about what what actually needs doing is, mm-hmm. you know, is super important, right? Because depending on what we're talking about being difficult, um, you know, sometimes only time's going to make it better, you know, in, in as much as it gets better, you know, some things are just, you know, take, you know, need other things or to change or we don't have control of, you know, I remember when, um, uh, probably 10 years ago now, uh, so two of my brothers passed away within six weeks of each other. Right. And it was rough, you know, but one of the things that really moved it forward for me was, I mean, going and getting therapy and getting, you know, attention on it. Absolutely. Right. But that's the long-term process. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But the short-term stuff was I had, uh, you know, a six month old kid and I had a, a two and a half year old and I had a dog, you know, at the time. And, it was like, all right, dog's got to be walked. Kid needs to do the thing. Got it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and as much as it, it sucked and I wanted to do nothing, I didn't really have that opportunity. And right. in looking at sort of my journey through it, and you can't compare yourself and other people, right? But like there, because there are lots of factors, but looking at my journey through it and the journey of people who had a lot of free time on their hands or didn't have a lot of structure, those people seem to suffer longer, suffer more Mm -hmm. deeply, um, have more difficulty moving past it, you know? And I think that the the idea of sort of sitting in stuff is, is really not helpful, right? You know, I mean, we can feel like, are we processing, are we doing, work on it, you know, whatever. But one of the things I often say to people is I'm like, if there's not an event on your calendar that you working on a thing, then you're probably not really working on it that much. Right. And you know, that might just be like, I'm going to go and journal and sit with the cards. That might be therapy. It might be whatever, 
But if you're just sort of around and, and ruminating, it's not necessarily moving anywhere with things, right? Again, depending on what we're talking about. But. Well, the one thing that I want to add to that is, you know, when the world is really taking a shit, you know, when there's something bad going on, like an election you don't like or, or like the virus spreading or anything really hard, the one thing I always remind people, and I remind my kids this all the time too, because my kids are very political, of course, as young millennials are, is that life, life goes on. You know, the, the most horrible things are always happening in the world. It's not like it's just now. There's always some horrible things happening in the world. But people still, at the end of the day, they rebuild, they go down and get coffee, they get their kids to school. You know, ultimately, we're all still doing the day-to-day things, even when horrible things are going on. Life does go on. And so, you know, we have to put things in perspective because it's so often we can really feel like down and out, especially when bad things are happening in the world, and the world always goes on. And one of the things I always say to my daughter is, because she's a worrier, and she'll say stuff like, well, what if, you know, we have a nuclear war? And I'm like, well, if we do the world will still go on. Nature will still go on. Nature is amazing. You know, um, so we have to really be not just in the present moment, but not thinking that everything is ending right now if the stock market crashes or if, you know, something happens. Life will always go on. Life has always gone on with horrible wars and terrible things happening in the world. So we do have to remember that. And I think that really gets to the heart of this idea that troubled times or difficult situations is, I don't want to it's weird to say, but it's, they're not necessarily bad. It's just part of the process. And I think that we have, again, this idea that things should be easy and flowing and moving. And, and I think that that's part of our society. You know, we've really been, um, inundated by this idea that we can curate our lives in a way that everything is just happy and wonderful. And if it's not, then something is wrong. And I think that actually gets into how um, we as magical people practice, because I think a lot of times when you're a person who does spell work, or if you're a person who does tarot or works with crystals, you think, well, I need to be doing all of these different things to, to be, you know, combating what's happening in the world or to be making my life better. And sometimes it really is as simple as um, just sitting, meditating, or, um, you know, like part of what I, my like mantra for this year is surrender. Like that's my mm-hmm. word, just surrendering, surrendering to what's happening, surrendering to what I'm feeling and even surrendering to what I'm not capable of doing. And some of that has looked like me simplifying my practice. So rather than, you know, doing elaborate spells or ceremonies, it's just lighting a white candle and just being with that, um, you know, or instead of having the, all of my millions of crystals every where it's like, I just have these simple prayer beads that I'm carrying with me. Mm. And I think that's just as powerful and effective as anything else that, you know, could be complex or elaborate. And I think sometimes we need that when the world is feeling crazy or when it's feeling, you know, just like it's weighing on you. So I have a question for you. So you, you, a couple of times we brought up this idea of sort of, um, not, not everything, not everything can be easy or maybe even, you know, good, whatever that means, right. Positive, uh, as we desire. Right. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong. And I'm wondering, how do you, how do you know, how do you differentiate between there being something wrong, um, versus, uh, you know, the, the stress and tension of just living in the world at times that, that we just have to abide. I think it comes down to how you use that information. Okay. You know, I think that again, like going back to kind of what Teresa was talking about, how a lot of times we want to numb out when we're experiencing something difficult. And I think in, in terror for troubled times, we talk about this, how our, 
our difficult experiences are trying to give us insight about who we are or what's happening inside of us or around us. And I think that rather than looking at that as good or bad, you can say, okay, well, this is difficult or this doesn't feel good, but how are you using that information? How is that moving you forward? Just like pain in your body. I mean, not that illness or uh, pain is a good thing, but it's letting you know that something needs to be acknowledged and addressed. And so in that way, it is a positive. And so I really think that's what, um, what it comes down to. You know, how are you using that information? And, you know, think about it in regards to, to working with someone in a tarot session or in a reading. Like every piece of information isn't going to be positive and uplifting. But if you present it in a way and if you hold space for that person in a way that they can use that to move forward, then it does become something positive. Hmm. And the other thing, too, that, you know, we have to remember is, you know, oftentimes what we really want to do is, uh, hold on to all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on to that. And we get very, very hung up on that. And, you know, I tend to be very neutral. It's like uh, there's that old fable where the king is given the ring that says this too shall pass. And that's how he finds joy. You know, if we are present with whatever it is and not getting attached to the great things or the bad things in our life and being more neutral in the face of both, I think that often does really lead to a lot more contentment no matter what's going on in your life or in the world. Mm, I agree with that. But don't get me wrong. I like to hang on to good things. So this is a practice of mine uh-huh. <laughs> that I'm always trying to like, not, you know, go like, Oh my God, I just wish things were like, blah, blah, blah. I still have moments where, you know, I get really angry. I mean, you guys saw me earlier. I, I have my moments where I get mad. I get perturbed. And then I catch myself, I recenter myself, and I'm like, okay, how can I just be present? How can I be neutral right now? What can I do in this situation? Is it a situation where I can turn things around? Do I need to ask for help? You know, sometimes there's where people are, you know, they're in a situation that's very difficult that you can't just wish it away either. Mm -hmm. You know, or people who are in really deeply oppressed situations finding a way to ask for help is sometimes the the biggest thing that you can do. I think that is such a powerful thing asking for help. And for me, like that's part of this whole mantra of surrendering. And I feel like, again, we live in this society that perpetuates independence, you know, asking for help is not like, isn't seen as a sexy thing. And yet it's so important, especially in the, in the global climate that we're in, because we need to be cultivating, you know, a sense of society and connectedness and holding space for each other. And I think asking for help is part of that. And asking for help can be something big or small, you know, it doesn't have to be um, a really complex thing, but oftentimes I think that's why people come to a tarot reading. You know, they want, they want insight. They want clarity in some ways they want help and permission even, you know, to think, feel and do whatever it is that they're feeling called to do. And to me, I think that's such a powerful step for people. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the, so, I mean, apparently this is the episode where I talk about all the hard things that have gone on in my life. Right. Um, But people, People who listen to the podcast, you know, and, and lots of people already know, you know, last year um, in March, you know, my store burned down, right? And, you know, it's one of those things where it absolutely became a time where, A, I asked for help, right? And I got to experience the positive response of all the people who felt that I had helped them in the past and I had connection with, right? And so I think that, one of the things that's helpful around, you know, living in the world is building a sense of connection and building, you know, working to be in community and working to, um, you know, uh, uh, give and share and be there for other people, again, within healthy boundaries, right? You know, there are lots of people who, who also have, uh, 
you know, really problematic sides to that where they just give and give and give to people who aren't there for them. Um, but, you know, yeah, asking for help is certainly important. And I think that understanding that we're, we're all in it together, right? I mean, it doesn't feel that way, especially when we get into politics sometimes, <laughs> right? Um, but at a certain point, noticing that, you know, at least within our communities, we're all in it together and being really aware of that as a way of uh, moving things forward for yourself. And, and you know, thinking about, because a lot of people struggle to offer help, right? Or to sort of accept help. And, yeah. you know, being aware of like, you know, because I had that moment, I'm like, well, you know, whatever, like, look at all these people who are giving me money and, you know, whatever, and the, you know, and these people I was spending time with at, at the time were like, well, dude, how many times have you, you know, thrown some money into a GoFundMe or shown up for somebody yeah. or whatever, right? Like, of course you get it back, right? That's how it goes. Um, but I think it's it's important to think of to sort of if we're not in in need right now to recognize that we might be and to sort of think about how how we want to be in the world and how we would like people to be with us in reciprocation, you know? And I feel like sometimes people want to help us and because we haven't asked for help, they don't know if they can. Mm. And so I think like there's that two-way street of, you know, giving and receiving and saying whatever it is you need. And when you were talking about um, how we're all in this together, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. You know, it's like you were talking about your store burning down. There's probably a moment where you felt like, well, this is just me. It's my store. It burned down. No one else understands what that feels like. But then when you ask for that help, you get to see how interconnected you are with other people and how you have um, influenced them and helped them through your store, through your, you know, just through who you are. And I think we all have those kind of connections with people. And um, I was just talking to a friend the other day about going to the doctor and how they, you know, didn't want to talk to their doctor about certain things because they felt ashamed or vulnerable. And I'm like, your doctor is there to help you, you know, regardless of what people, certain people think about medicine or whatever. I mean, your doctor is there to help you. And if you're going to the doctor for something, they can only help you as much as you're willing to allow them to. Mm. And so in that way, you're, you're in it together. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually a perfect example of, um, how do you know when something's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So your doctor and you are in it together, which is fantastic, right? Unless they're not, right? And so if you're like, you know, that's one of those things, right? If your experience of your doctor is that they're, you know, a bit fat phobic or they're not sex positive and so you don't feel comfortable talking about a thing or whatever, Mm -hmm. well, there's a perfect example of, huh, that's a thing that's in them. You can't fix that. It's not your job to fix that. And that's where, you know, again, it's complicated sometimes to find a new doctor, but that's where maybe making that kind of change or finding a different resource can be really helpful too, right? You know, because Mm -hmm. I think that that discomfort, I think it's, you know, it's, it, if it's not, if it's in us, then absolutely, we, you know, working through that is fantastic, right? And, and helps us become clearer and more open and so on, right? But, you know, I, like I know in Toronto, we have uh, a hassle-free clinic for STI testing, right? And, mm. you know, some people and their doctors, some people and whatever, you know, they're not great about those things. Um, so for any number of reasons, people might choose to go to a different resource for that, you know? And I think that that's, that's really good taking care of ourselves. Right. You know, as well, you know, when we, when we can notice those things, you know, we don't want to talk to, uh, this friend about this cause they're not great about it or our parents or, you know, our coworker, whoever yeah. noticing that, that problem that's not ours to fix and saying, huh, I'm going to go somewhere where I can actually get the support I need. Right. I think that's also an important piece to this is that, you have to know who you're, who you're asking for help or, you know, where, where you're getting your nourishment and your support from. I, well, first of all, the other thing I wanted to say, and I talk about this all the time with clients and online is that I think our secret power, everyone's secret power is the power of choice. We all have the ability to make a choice about something. Now, I think that that 
varies depending on who you are and, you know, where you're at in the world, but we all have the power to make a choice. And just like you were saying, if you're in a situation like your doctor isn't someone that you're comfortable with, you can look for something else. Um, but I also feel like oftentimes we lean into support that's not really supportive. And I know all three of us work with clients privately. And a lot of times when I'm working with someone, they're coming to me and talking about things that they feel like, you know, no one else, they can't talk to anyone else about it or no one else will really hear them objectively and allow them to process what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And we all need that kind of safe space and that support. So find a good tarot reader. (laughs) Find a great tarot reader. Yes. Well, I think, I think some people feel bad. I've heard people say to me that they feel bad, like they don't have any friends and they have to pay someone to listen to their problems. Mm. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, my experience is I've gone to therapy at different points. I've, you know, I was talking about, you know, after my brother's deaths, I, you know, did a whole bunch of counseling and so on for a long period of time. I think that the, that, depending on what's going on in our lives, depending what the nature of our challenges are, maybe our friends aren't even the best people or even helpful mm-hmm. necessarily, not out of malice or whatever, but out of lack of objectivity, out of lack of skill, out of lack of having slack for some topics, you know, for any number of reasons, right? And that doesn't mean that we, we can't be friends with them or talk about, you know, certain levels of problems with them. But, you know, there are often those things that are, bigger, deeper, more private, or that other people just don't have any experience with and finding those people who can actually connect with that makes a ton of sense and ends up being way more um, effective or efficient at moving things forward, you know, because when we're, when we're caught up with sort of uh, wobbling back and forth with people that we know personally around stuff, um, you know, maybe we hedge our words, maybe we're not as direct You know, maybe we're sort of concerned what comes from that or what they think of us. Whereas, you know, Mm -hmm. I certainly hope that people who come see me are like, I don't care what he thinks about me. I'm just going to come and get what I need from it, you know? And and in that sense, I think that's really important, you know? I always tell my clients, like, this is the safe zone and we can talk about anything and everything. And I love it when I have a client who tells me like a, I'm not, not really a dirty little secret, but you know, something that they wouldn't say anywhere else. And I have clients who all the time will say, I've never said that out loud before. Um, but it's like, I mean, as a reader, you kind of, you hear it all. And so there's nothing that's really shocking, or at least for me, there's not. And I want people to have that experience. Now, something that I've been thinking about lately, and I think both of you would have insight around this is, when you are in a position where you're um, helping people, you're guiding people, and that could be professionally or it could be personally, like as a parent or something, what happens when you feel like you need help? How do you, how do you open up around that? And I think that's something a lot of people maybe feel um, difficulty around or they struggle with. So what are your guys' thoughts about that? Well, I mean, one of the things that I'll, I'll throw out there as, as just an initial thought, and then I want to hear what Teresa has to say. Um, I came across this sort of little graphic about um, the idea of uh, pouring support in towards the center of this sort of series of concentric circles and reaching for support outward, right? And so mm-hmm. the idea is like if, if in the middle we have the person who needs our help, right, who is asking us for help. And you know, that could be our kids, that could be, uh, you know, a, a co-worker, it could be whatever, a friend. You know, the idea that if, if something they're asking us for causes us to need or want assistance around something, we don't lean on that person who's in the middle, right? The person who came to mm-hmm. us with their need, right? You know, it's not their job to fix our feelings to their request, right? You know, we need to find our way to reach out further to people who are not that person, Right. And so on down the line. Right. And I think that that's often where there's a a complication that happens where people um, reach back to the person who asked and sort of try and get them to help them be okay 
so that they can give them the help that they're asking for. And, you know, and that's a really problematic model, right? You know, so I think mm-hmm. that one of the things I think is super important is when we do need help, making sure that we're, we're choosing directions that don't make things more difficult for the person that we're, you know, like with kids already committed to helping in some way or other. What do you think, Teresa? Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I also think, you know, if you have sources of support around you, you're going to, and, and you should always build up your support system. You should build up your own support system so that if you are in a situation where you are trying to help somebody else out and you are feeling like overwhelmed or some type of way about it, that you have other places that you can go or other places that you can send that person. Because sometimes it's like with my daughter, for example, she has a therapist. So does my son. Because sometimes talking to mom isn't really helpful (laughs) because they're going to get the mom perspective. Right. You know, so they know to do that. And I know how I process information for myself. You know, I tend to be very, very private when I am dealing with any situation. And I know that when I'm feeling also overwhelmed or something's going on, I often have to tell the people that I love to give me space. Mm-hmm. I have to request that space, you know, so you have to really figure out what, what kind of support you need, what kind of support you can give. Um, mm. and I guess you just have to be willing to be upfront about it. And how, like, so Teresa, something that you do that I really love is you're very open about things that are happening in your world. You know, you, and you don't, um, and you're not just open with people who are in like your inner circle, but you talk about things that are happening in your world and your business online. And like, what, what do you feel prompts that? Like, how does that, how do you feel like that helps you? Cause I, that's something I love about you. Like, how do you feel like that helps you? And how do you feel that helps other people? Well, first of all, you know, always I'm a Gemini. Gemini's love to talk things out, even though my moon in Scorpio wants the real private stuff to be worked <laughs> out. But I'm pretty much an open book on a lot of things. And I like to talk about it because it helps me to process things or I write about it. And the other thing that I find um, when I talk about it or write about it, it helps other people. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that helps them to know I'm not alone. And therefore, then they reach back and I'm like, oh, I'm not alone either. So we kind of like, yeah. in a really weird way, it's like, it's, it's a way to show other people, look, you're not the only one dealing with this bullshit right now. Right. Uh, I am too. And, you know, so we end up, you know, ultimately kind of helping each other out. I think it's important to talk about things too. Sometimes my husband is like, what the, that's TMI. Why are you talking about that? <laughs> you know what I'm like? But it's something to talk about. Mm. Why am I supposed to put yeah. on an Instagram filter and pretend everything's great? If something's right. going on, let me share it. But also when something great is going on, let's share that too. You know, I, I just think it really helps people to see, um, again, they're not alone and that I'm not some glossy, fancy, everything is perfect in my life person because it's not. And I don't think anybody's life is like that. No, for right. sure. I also think it, you know, my, one of my things I've experienced is um, we also get to decide what our narrative is around stuff, right? And this is one of the challenges around sharing stuff online, right? You know, and like when the fire happened, there were definitely people who were like, oh, this is, this happened for a reason and it's all going to be better and whatever. And I was basically like, fuck that, fuck off. I don't have time for that, Right. And, you know, whatever, whatever might be true in that idea, it's not, it's never, I never find it helpful, right? You know, because, because at a certain point, you know, uh, things that have been good that have come out of the change that happened came because I worked with the sort of complete disruption and leaned into it and then made a lot of decisions and did a lot of work around it. But, you know, there's a way in which people will sort of put their agendas or put their uh, ideas forward in a way that really kind of makes it 
about what what seems true to them or what soothes them in situations. Right. And, you know, the thing that soothes me in situations is going, all right, shit just got real. What do I do? You know? And, and it's not, you know, sort of divine plan or other things, you know, uh, I mean, maybe whatever time will tell. Right. But for me, it's like, right. okay, what can I do practically? What can I do spiritually? What, what can I do to move forward from this place? And, right. you know, and so the, the thing about social media is that there's a lot of people who will kind of come on to stuff and nudge it in their directions and so on. And, you know, I think, we, I think it's really important to understand that our stories are ours, our experiences are ours, and we get to decide what that is and shut things down. You know, if we're talking about social media, just tell people no thanks, delete the post, delete the comments, you know, whatever. But that we're not obliged to live in somebody else's stories ever. And most especially when we're going through hard times, it makes no sense to sort of allow other people to control the direction we're we're telling, we're, we're building our stories that get us through these things are, you know? Yeah. I think that is such a um, difficult thing, not only on social media, but even more so in real life and especially with family. Um, and I feel like a lot of times those are the things that clients struggle with, you know, when I'm working with people where their perspective or their experience or the choices that they are making or would like to make are not in alignment with the people around them. And so then that makes them feel going back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, like they're maybe moving in the wrong direction. And it's, it's like, well, is it, the wrong direction or is it just a different direction than what other people are expecting of you? And I love you, what you talked about, about constructing your own narrative, because I think that's what life is. I mean, we're all kind of telling our own stories and, you know, it's not, it's not as simple as we get to make it whatever we want it to be, but we do get to allow um, certain things to kind of fly in our personal worlds and uh, you can always one of my favorite things is you can always kick people out of your life whether it seems easy or not so uh-huh. yeah yeah let's talk about that more how about kicking people out of our lives <laughs> yeah I mean for me I think boundaries are so 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 essential and uh, I think kicking kicking people out of your lives doesn't always have to be um a dramatic thing. Sometimes it's as simple as you just kind of, uh, fade away or disengage. And, uh, I've had a lot of people recently talk about, and I don't know why this keeps coming up, but it's just in random conversations, but I keep hearing people say, you have to pick your battles. You know I mean? That's like a saying people say all the time, but I've been hearing it a lot more. And I think that's interesting because I agree with that. You know, there are certain things that you can, you can fight and, they can make a difference. And then there are certain things that you just kind of have to disengage with. And I think people um, are a perfect example of that. Like if you have a difficult family member and you know, you feel like you're never going to get through to them or they're never going to see your perspective or see you don't try to convince them, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to move on. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that just, having the the permission to, you know, to be able to say, oh, I don't have to have people in my, in my life. I don't want them to be in my life um, is really important for people. And it's very difficult at the same time. And I will say one thing, uh, one of the biggest forms of self-care are boundaries. Mm-hmm. We need boundaries. Boundaries teach people how we want to be treated. And at the same token, we have to also honor other people's boundaries. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing, when you have adult children, you learn a lot about their boundaries too, and about how to honor it. Yeah. Um, I always say, if you want to get along with your adult children, one of the most important things is to learn to shut your mouth. Um, you know, so it, it's very interesting. Um, the roles really change, but you know, boundaries are there again, they're a form of self-care. They're they're so, so, so important in every aspect of your life. And I think so often, 
and I, I can say, especially as a woman, women are taught we're supposed to be nice, we're supposed to smile, um, you know, you've got to be kind and da-da-da-da-da. And so it's, it's really, and especially women from my generation, you know, that's, that's what we were taught. And when you speak up and say, no, I'm not doing this, uh-uh, you're a bitch and it feels very scary to do that. But learning to say no and learning to say, I'm not doing that, I don't like this, um, it's really empowering for you. And it is going to help you deal with things in your life a lot better when you have those boundaries. And like Shaheen says, sometimes you got to kick people out of your life. Absolutely. Some people do not belong in your life. If they are constantly violating your boundaries, if they are pushing past it, if they want exceptions to everything, that means they do not respect your no. And they've got to go. Mm. They've got to go. Yeah, people who ask for exceptions, you know. I hate that. <laughs> as, as, as a person who runs a store, you know, the, the people who are like, ask for discounts or ask for this or that or whatever, you know, or, or those kinds of things. And, you know, these do, do people come in and be like, oh, but I'm such a good client. I'm such whatever, whatever. And then, you know, like the next thing in turn, I'm like, oh, don't you have this anymore? I'm like, well, no, I haven't had that for a year. So that means I haven't seen you for a year. So you're yeah, here asking right. me for a discount, but I haven't seen you in forever, right? You know, and, and yeah, those kinds of exceptions I think are, are, you know, really not ideal, right? And I think that we get to decide, you know, it's, it's up to us to offer the exception. That's how I sort of think about things, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. well, if I'm available for something different, cool. But otherwise, you know, especially professionally, it's like, you know, those, those boundaries are there for a reason. Um, yep. You know, when it comes to people in my life, one of the things that I conversation I have with clients a lot is because they don't necessarily want to like go to a person and be like, I can't be friends anymore. We're done. Right. And, right. and that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to have. And sometimes you need to have that conversation. Sometimes there's no way around it. Right. Um, but I also think about the idea of sort of nudging people out of our orbits a bit. Right. So we can, we can take space in a lot of different ways. You know, we can, we can not get back to them right away. Right. Mm -hmm. We can not always answer the phone when they call. Right. We can be like, Oh, I'm busy. I'll call you tomorrow. Right. We can, uh, you know, start nudging people and being like, well, they want to see me every week, but let's see how every other week goes. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's see how once a month is. Right. You know, I'm happy seeing my family at, at Christmas and holiday, other holidays. You know, or, or all the way out to nothing, right? But, you know, that kind of process allows us to find what feels good to us, right? And find what they're still available for because they might also be like, I don't see you enough. I'm not going to reciprocate either. But either way, it kind of finds uh, the answer for us, right? It finds what feels okay, um, yeah. hopefully feels good, um, but maybe bypasses some of that sort of confrontationalness that people think about boundaries, right? Where people think mm-hmm. you need to be like, look, I don't like you anymore. We're done. You know, right. I've had a few friends over the years who like did something like that. And I was just like, really? Wow. <laughs> so dramatic. So like, right. so funny. Right. You know, but can I just tell you one thing fair, about but, the, about the dramatic thing? Yes. Tell I us everything found, about the dramatic thing. I have found that if I don't get dramatic, uh-huh. I don't get respect. Mm. So nice. sometimes I have to be a stone cold bitch. Okay. And, you know, and, and I'm, you guys, I mean, you guys know me. I'm a pussy cat. I'm really <laughs> easygoing. I'm happy go lucky. Yeah. I love to have a good time. I love a good meal. You know, I like gossip and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I'm very, very easygoing. I've got a great sense of humor. And so I think then that people just assume, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. She's, going to make an exception for me. Mm -hmm. And if I say no, then they'll think I'm bluffing. But when I'm a hardcore bitch, you better believe they get out of my way then. And I hate that because you know what? I don't like having to be like that. But sometimes that seems that's the only way that I get results. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Well, I think that, you know, personality and temperament are part of it. I think that Gender is absolutely a part of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a conversation that I hear a lot more from, you know, people who are on the, the female side of the equation, you know, um, yeah, definitely those, those things are real, right? 
can be. Well, and another thing that, at least for me, is has been true is um, you don't always have to explain yourself. Exactly. You know, that's and, a hard one for me. Yeah, and that's a really a really beautiful thing once you kind of let that come into your into your being into your worldview is that you don't have to explain yourself as long as your your actions or the things that you're um moving toward feel really just aligned with with you and so um and that sometimes, you know, can be a tricky thing to figure out as well. But I feel like you, you know, not having to explain yourself saves people a lot of trouble. And so I loved what you were talking about, kind of pushing people slowly out of your orbit. You know, it's like you don't have to go to your, um, you know, shitty uncle and be like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see you anymore. But, you know, you can just kind of slowly push them away and, um, and you don't have to, you don't have to explain it. You know, you don't have to justify it. And I think that's very liberating for people, for any kind of choice that you're making. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because uh, I took a class with Brandy Buckley called Healthy Boundaries for Kind People. And one of the things that she also talked about, too, was not explaining yourself. And I'm an explainer because I'm a talker. And I'm like, look, this is why I'm not doing that. And I'm like, why am I doing that? And so I ha- it's really hard to break that habit of explaining um, and when you explain what ends up happening then with boundaries, then people look for an out. I was going to say, yeah, they look for like a, a weak spot in that boundary. And they find it. And they'll say, well, but I'm not a, a jerk. You know, why not make an exception for me? You know, so it, it, it's really interesting. you got to, that not explaining, that's really great that you brought that up. That also, again, is also a form of self-care. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of that uh, salesperson maxim, right? If we're still talking, you haven't actually said no yet, right? Yeah. I think that there are people who that who who live their life that way, right? If there's still a conversation, then it's not actually a solid boundary, right? And right. and sometimes, yeah, you just got to close that door and be like, you know, don't don't stick your foot foot in the door, salesman. I'm gonna slam the door on it. We're done. Get out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's it, and right? I, well, and I think that's why. Um, to me, that's why tarot is such a powerful thing because sometimes we don't even realize that we're still having that conversation, that we're still engaging in certain dynamics. We feel the effects of it, but we don't realize why we feel that way because maybe it's, um, maybe it's subconscious or maybe it's just so common in your life that you just don't even know that that's happening anymore. And I think tarot is beautiful because you can kind of zoom out and you can mm-hmm. see these things. And one of the things I love when I'm laying out cards, when I'm working with someone in person, which isn't all that often, but when I do, um, if a person sees a card and they're like, Oh, that's so-and-so in my life. And it's like, they might not have any knowledge about it, about that card or what the symbolism is or anything, but just seeing that gives them the sense of, Oh, I have externalized and I can understand the bigger picture of what's happening. And now I can do something with it. And, um, to, to me, I think that's, that again goes back to being able to make a choice when you know what all is happening from a larger perspective when you're not right in the thick of it, then you have a bit more um, power to, to make a choice or to pivot or to, you know, go in a certain direction with, with deeper intention. Mm-hmm. Well, what about spiritually? Are there spiritual practices that you do around this kind of stuff? You know, what do you do to sustain yourself during challenging times? Meditation and yoga are my two go-to things. Because I know when I'm on the mat and I'm moving my body and or I'm sitting quietly and tuning within, that always makes me feel better. It it may not solve the problem. And oftentimes it doesn't solve the problem. But I'm feeling physically better. I'm, I'm going within. I'm processing information. So that is always my favorite, favorite things to turn to. But, you know, there's all kinds of other things that you can do, magical practices and rituals um, that can also enhance and strengthen um, your boundaries or energy or whatever you want to say. That can also help you um, 
to move through any kind of challenges. Yeah. For me, well, yoga is actually a big part of my practice as well. And the thing that I love about yoga is that you have to be present. Like you have to be, I mean, you don't have to be, but you know, as soon as you kind of slip out of what you're doing, you, your, your pose or whatever it is that you're, um, whatever asana you're in, like that's not going to, to flow or to work. Um, so I love movement in general for Mm -hmm. kind of grounding and centering and getting present. Um, ritual is a big part of, of what I do. And again, it can be as simple as just lighting a candle. And one of the things I talk with clients about quite a bit is just the simple practice of, um, using ritual and ceremony as a way to engage all the parts of yourself. So if you light a candle and you say, this is the shitty situation I'm in. And as this candle is melting, my situation is melting away. I mean, that might not change everything, but it makes you feel like you have a, a bit of control or you can kind of externalize what it is that you're mm-hmm. feeling. And I think seeing that and engaging with that, that moves energy. Or um, if you light a candle and you say, as this candle's burning, whatever it is that I need to bring in my life is attracted to it. You know, it's like a moth to a flame. Again, that engages another part of yourself and allows that energy to move toward you. And I think that gives, for me, that gives me a way of um, finding, I don't want to say control, but feeling like I have I, I have a choice in the matter. Um, I also really lean into my, my spirit allies. So, um, and I have multiple spirits that I work with. Um, but one of the things that I like to do is, is I just say to my guides, my guardians, my ancestors and angels, you know, be with me, or I thank you for being with me. Um, and I give offerings or I light candles and something about that practice makes me feel, um, supported. It makes me feel like I'm not alone and like something out there has a broader perspective than I do and can maybe see something that I can't see. Um, I was listening to an interview with Elizabeth Gilbert and Oprah (laughs) and Liz Gill was talking about how when her partner died, she felt like she suddenly had a very powerful ambassador on the other side. Mm. And when she said that, that really resonated with me um, because I feel like we all have um, somebody who, whether we've known them in life or we just feel a very special connection to um, there's, there's something bigger than us that's out there. And if we engage with that, um, we feel less alone and we also can use that energy to, to move forward. So, um, I moved to Colorado recently and, um, I've always felt a connection to the Virgin Mary. Now I wasn't raised Christian at all, but I've just always felt a connection to the Virgin Mary. And there's a place called, um, uh, mother Cabrini, uh, shrine. And it's like near where I live. And Mother Cabrini was this the first American saint. But I go there all the time to just light candles and to meditate because I feel like I'm connecting with something bigger than myself, you know, and not just the energy of the Virgin Mary or Mother Mary, but also the energy of other people who have gone there um, out of faith. And even though it's very different than mine, there's an energy that accumulates there. And so I'm constantly trying to work with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. You know, and so I'm just going to put an unpopular opinion to, to right now. I hate yeah. yoga. I hate yoga so much. <laughs> Yoga just makes that's me That's okay. <laughs> you haven't done yoga with me. Yeah. Why do you hate that, that, it? Um, you know, I've done yoga all over the world um, with so many different teachers, and it just makes me grumpy whenever I do it. So I've given <laughs> up doing yoga. Um, and and I, did, I did yoga practice, um, you know, daily for over a year and so on. And, you know, this notion that I would sort of push through and sort of like – sauna based yoga practice and well it's just never happened so i've given up on it um but and now you know and now i know right um but the things the thing that i you know and I, like i love meditation um 
you know, I've, I'm very good at just sort of sitting and meditating for relatively long periods of time. And I, I, I love elements of yoga. I love the breath work and other things. Um, but just sort of yoga class and those things, I always just leave grumpier than when I arrived. So I've, I've given up on it. You but, should take a class with me. Well, well, I will make the trip and, and, and then you can buy me a coffee afterwards if I'm grumpy. <laughs> it, will change, it will change your mind because Perfect. our yoga classes are very different here. Yeah. And but, I, well, oh, sorry. That's okay. So, but for me, you know, um, and it's, it's not just about being more active um, because I am, there are lots of ways in which I do self-care that's very still and very quiet as well. But also, you know, I super love rock climbing. And rock climbing is one of my favorite sort of self-care, especially during challenging times, because when I'm, you know, on the wall and working on a problem, I can't think about anything else. There's nothing else there. There's just the immediacy of it. And it's the same with like, uh, you know, distance cycling and stuff, you know? Yeah, my brain might churn for the first 20 minutes or hour, but, you know, into a three-hour ride at a certain point, it's just, you and the road and the movement of your body and the flowing of other things. And that's it, you know? And so I think that, yeah, there are lots of active ways in which we can do that, that are not numbing out and avoiding things, but are bringing us to being present through different mechanisms. So, yeah. Well, and I think another important thing for people to know is that, um, self-care and spirituality doesn't have to look a certain way. Like one of my favorite spiritual practices is singing, you know, whether that's getting wild on my guitar or going to karaoke. And it's not, it's not really a numbing out thing. It's like, I get to, I get to, I get to not be in the mire of everything that's happening and I get to connect with myself. Mm -hmm. And there's something really beautiful about that. Um, But I think a lot of times, especially when people are starting their spiritual journey or their magical journey, they get caught up in what does that look like? And it's like, if you feel like, you know, turning on heavy metal and banging, you know, head banging for an hour is grounding and centering to you, then that's totally fine. Like that doesn't have to be the case for anybody else. Um, so I think it comes down to, are you, are you connecting with yourself or are you numbing out? I guess that's a a big question. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge question. And, you know, the other thing that I wonder sometimes, um, because I think with our book, Tarot for Troubled Times, we've had multiple people ask us um, or, or talk in the sense that they need to get rid of their shadow because we talk about shadow work. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I feel is that we aren't trying to, um, where was I going with that? We aren't trying to, like, I guess, fix things necessarily. It's really just about being where you are, being with what, what is happening. And that's like, I think that's where our spiritual practice can really lie being with where you are. Um, and I don't know when you're, when we're talking about numbing out, I wonder, is there a time where numbing out is okay? Like, is that always a bad thing? Numbing out once in a while is okay. Absolutely. Sometimes at the end of the day, if I've had a really challenging day, let's say with clients, pouring myself a nice big glass of wine and putting on the new Pope, which is the new thing that I'm into right now, mm-hmm. and just kind of like forgetting about it, having a little escape is good. You know, right. I, I mean, provided it's not done to excess, there has to be a limit. Numbing out in front of the TV every single night, drinking three glasses of wine is not good. But on occasion, just sitting back and that's one of my favorite ways to unwind is a nice glass of wine and some something on tv and i think if you check in with yourself you know and ask yourself how do i feel um that kind of can gauge if that's useful or not for you like sometimes when i'm really 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 like going through it and i always suggest this to people i take a nap I get in my bed and I take a nap because I'm like, you know what? I can't do anything by thinking about this or talking about it. So I'm going to get in my bed. I'm going to take a nap. And 
something, something will happen. The world will at least keep on moving. Maybe my thoughts will untangle. Maybe the spirits will give me a message. I don't know, but I'm just going to take a nap. But when I wake up from that, I don't feel like I've lost time. I feel like something, something has happened in the positive versus, you know, like if you go on a binge and you're out drinking all night long, the next day, you probably don't feel like anything's resolved. Uh, Um, and so I think checking in with yourself and asking, how does this make me feel is really an important part of it as well. And, and, you know, how do we feel when we're, when we're starting it? How do we feel when we're in it and how do we feel afterwards? Right. Right. You know, because it might feel great, you know, uh, speaking from personal experience to like grab that (laughs) bucket of ice cream and to eat that bucket of ice cream. And then it might feel crappy afterwards. Right. And so I think that, you know, there's that sort of just monitoring of the, the whole situation. Right. And, you know, eating, you know, two liters of ice cream is, is, is not a great coping mechanism for me. And so I no longer, you know, engage that, but, uh, but that doesn't mean that I won't buy myself other things or engage in other ways like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful, just like continue, you know, really it all comes down to connecting with yourself. And I think in a lot of ways, we just don't live in a world that, that really advocates for people to know how they feel and to connect with themselves and to, and to take care of themselves. I mean, we're really taught to, to be out here in the world doing things, uh, competing with things, keeping up with things. And, um, I think it can be really toxic. I actually had a conversation recently about how I think that I love the idea of self care, but I think that, um, this concept of wholeness is like the new idea of perfection. And I think that self-care and spirituality and uh, self-work and healing work isn't about becoming whole or fixed or better. It's about really just connecting with and having a relationship with yourself so that you know where you are in every moment, situation, or experience. And then that way you can make choices or you can have boundaries. And um, that's how you empower yourself. And it's not always easy, but that's why it's a practice. Yeah. I think, I think you've just summed it up perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's a great place to leave it. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to say, when you listen to this, rewind and listen to what Shaheen, Shaheen said a couple times, because I think that's just really a, a delightful and perfect way to sort of encapsulate it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so obviously, obviously you, you folks have a lovely book out that people should check out called Tarot for Troubled Times. Um, Shaheen, where do people find you if they want to come be in your orbits online? You can find me at my website, which is shaheenmiroinsights.com. Or you can visit me on Instagram, which my handle is Shaheen the Dream. And that's one of my favorite places to hang out and uh, do all sorts of magical things over there. And on Facebook and Twitter. So Shaheen Miro, there's only one of me out there. Perfect. Teresa? At the Tarot Lady everywhere. Yep, the tarotlady.com and the Tarot Lady is my handle on all my social media things. Beautiful. Well, thank you both for making time today. I super appreciate it. Uh, it's been as delightful as I was hoping. Thank you for having us. All right, my friends. That is episode 106, all done. Uh, I hope that you are enjoying the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. As I mentioned at the start, it would be wonderful for you to uh, start supporting the Patreon. It really does make a big difference in my life uh, and around making this podcast happen. And also, you know, I want to take a moment and remind everybody that myself and many of my guests uh, have their own business practices, offering readings, consultations. Uh, you know, I have the online store selling decks and crystals and the physical store in Toronto as well. Um, you know, and another thing that's, I think is really important 
is to work to support the people who you are engaging with. You know, social media and uh, the modern age sort of sets a ton of stuff up um, for free. You know, you can get a lot of benefit from floating in a person's orbit and, you know, seeing what they're putting out, reading their content and so on. And it's not that that isn't put out free of charge and to the public as its own benefit. But also, I think that we often lose track of the fact that supporting those people who we follow in a concrete dollars in their pocket kind of way is uh, really a beneficial practice to have. I was noticing that Kairan Armand, who I had on earlier this year, uh, put out a call for people to buy him a coffee. You know, and this idea of we used to take people for lunch or buy them a coffee to sort of get access to their time and attention, but now it's all over the social media. And that even small amount of exchange, I think, is significant in terms of uh, supporting people long term, supporting people's quality of life, and having a reciprocal relationship. You know, as I go on a lot about in various episodes on magic, you know, the idea of having a relationship versus a transactional situation with spirits and so on, um, I think that it might be time for us to start considering that in a broader and deeper sense with the people we interact with online. I hope you're all having fun. I hope you're all enjoying what you're doing. As always, I thank you for listening to the podcast and my various thoughts and ideas. Talk to you soon. I'll be back with another episode soon.